What's up, guys? Uh, spring break went really, really well. Starting to wind down, getting ready to go back to class. Uh, bringing some stuff that I just learned from from a few podcasts and, and talking with Walls to my classroom. So kind of excited to uh, get to use some of that stuff in the classroom and on the field. So uh, I've really loved these past few weeks, a uh, few months of the podcast and think you guys are really going to enjoy it as well. So um, looking forward to sending that out to you guys. Uh, go check out all of our RTP premium and standard stuff on our website, runthepower.com. Uh, and if you guys need any new spring break t-shirts, uh, we've got some good ones over at Run the Power, as well as hats and beanies. So you guys go check all that out. This episode of RTP is brought to you by Go Route. Go Route is offering a spring ball special exclusively for our RTP subscribers. Between now and April 15th, the first eight subscribers of Run the Power who purchase a GoRoute system will be eligible to receive a $700 discount off their package or receive two additional units added to their package at no cost. All right, a $700 value. To take advantage of GoRoute Spring Ball Special, go to GoRoute.com and request a, qu- request a quote using the promo code RUNPOWER19 in the comments section. Okay, so again, uh, go to GoRoute.com, request a quote, and in the comments section, uh, enter the promo code RUNPOWER19. Uh, You guys can learn more at GoRoute.com, email sales at GoRoute.com, or give them a call at 866-777-1448. Just mention us or RUNPOWER19 to get your discount uh, of $700. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. Throughout their expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com, at info at sidelinepower.com by email, or give them a call at 800-496-4290. This episode is also brought to you by uh, Guardian Caps. Both of our programs uh, at Broken Arrow and Ankeny invested in Guardian Caps this year, and we feel that they are really helping our guys out. Uh, they're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley has to say about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, and they're actually a lot more affordable probably than you guys would even think. Uh, go check them out at guardiancaps.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Nick Trist. Coach Trist is the OC and quarterbacks coach at Allen University in Columbia, South Carolina. Listen as we talk with Coach Trist about his coaching journey through college football, rebuilding the Allen University program after a long layoff, and his offensive and recruiting philosophy. You can follow Coach Trist on Twitter at Coach Trist. Hope you guys enjoy. Okay, yeah, so, you know, I played sports in high school and growing up and all that good stuff, and uh, <clears throat> I went to school to play basketball, actually. Um, got hurt, so only spent a year doing that. Uh, transferred, took some time out of school, was really out of the game for a while. Um, got interested in working in sports media. Um, that's really kind of what brought me back to the game. That's kind of why I was interested in doing a podcast, too, you know, so. Um, did that for a couple of years, and that really just got the itch started back to wanting to be involved in you know, athletics, because it's what I kind of always knew I wanted to do. So I went back to school, um, coached actually where I finished my degree at Middle Georgia State University uh, in Cochran, Georgia. It's uh, actually a club football program. Um, but when I was there, it operated kind of like a junior college. You know, we would get kids in who weren't Division One qualified or even D2 qualified, whatever it may be. Um, they would spend however long they need to, to get 30 hours and transfer out. Um, from there, I went to Palmetto Prep another JUCO type thing, but it's a true prep school. 
So, you know, it's for kids who just didn't qualify because uh, of a test score when they really just retake the test. And if they qualify, then a lot of them get offers. Um, you know, and I was there for one year. <laughs> I was the uh, defensive coordinator at Middle Georgia State University. And then I was the – I'm sorry, I was the offensive coordinator at Middle Georgia State. Then I was the defensive coordinator for one season at Palmetto Prep. Um, most recently, now currently, I'm the offensive coordinator at Allen University. Uh, we're a brand new NAIA program. Uh, this is our <coughs> – sorry, guys. Been a little sick lately. Um, it was our first year uh, as a program. So that was pretty interesting. First time I've ever worked for a school that, you know, was just getting started. Uh, um, and then, you know, I found you guys online. It was always on my timeline. Started listening to the show and reached out. And then here we are. <laughs> yeah, we're excited. We're excited to get to talk. That that's um that's an exciting, you know, something that not a whole lot of coaches get to do. I would assume, especially at the college level, is is get to be a part of starting a, a program. And and I would assume, obviously, there's there's money restraints, but you kind of get things uh, to an extent the way you guys want them to be because you're the first ones coming in. There's not already an infrastructure set up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that is uh, what was really intriguing about that opportunity, like you said, is to build from the ground floor. Um, you know, everything that – the history of Allen football, we didn't really have anything to sell, so we had to sell ourselves. Uh, Coach says that a lot. Um, you know, we're building a program one step at a time, and it was pretty nuts playing with all freshmen, uh, especially considering, you know, we played Division two opponents, NAIA opponents. Um, you know, we actually played middle prep as well, so it was pretty interesting putting together a schedule. You know, the program launched in January. They hired our head coach, uh, and we played a full – not a, quite full, but we played an eight-game schedule uh, this past season. Wow. Um, he pretty much – you know, he did a great job. His name's Teddy Keaton. I don't think I mentioned that yet. Um, he did an awesome job, uh, you know, getting acquiring a lot of talent, really by himself, um, just because of the way the program was. You know, I got hired in, like, February, but the full staff didn't start until we had summer workouts in June. So – up until that point, he was a one-man show, you know, putting in insane hours. Uh, he got a team. We had a full roster, you know, right around 80 guys, I believe, started the year. Um, you know, we got most of them back uh, now in the second semester. So uh, it was pretty nuts. I, I give him credit all the time. I don't know how he was able to do that in that short amount of time and put everything together. Uh, you know, built facilities from the ground up. They had no football facilities, no field. Um, we're right in the middle of downtown Columbia, too, so. You can imagine trying to find space in a metro, you know, somewhat metropolitan city, you know, and we're right in the heart of downtown. Um, so he got all that done, built a practice field. We got a locker room, um, a weight facility that all our sports use now. <coughs> Man. You know, so really from the ground up, I mean, he had to wear a lot of different hats. And then, like I said, we all got here in June. We have a full staff. Um, you know, it's a pretty good staff. I think we're moving, uh, a lot of challenges, obviously, as you can imagine. First-year program, like I said, everything kind of a little behind the eight ball. Um, but I think we, we had a, you know, a pre, you put together a pretty talented roster. So um, we think it was a good place to build from. Like I said, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of a college team playing with all freshmen before. I think we had like three kids total in the whole, whole roster who weren't true college freshmen. The rest were, you know, straight from high school. So it's wow. pretty nuts putting those, that together pretty that quickly. That, that was going to be my question. I mean, now, you know, you have a roster of, of 80 freshmen, you know, th think about, you know, when mm -hmm. you, if you know, obviously it'll be attrition and things like that, but you know, that, that first ever quote senior day, you're, you know, you're going to have 60, 70 guys, hopefully that, you know, Hey, the, the foundation of, of Allen football, but that's gotta be, you know, kind of weird or different, you know, how, you know, most college rosters are, are, are flipping over, you know, each year you're bringing in 20 to 25, maybe 30 kids to, to be on your 120 man roster. How are you guys kind of managing that as far as, you know, uh, eventually knowing that you're going to have this tremendous number of freshmen in one large class and then kind of having, you know, more, I don't know, normal numbers going forward? Well, I, I mean, I think the biggest difference, obviously, is we actually now have a chance to all kind of catch our breath and see to look. You know, we weathered the storm. We got through our first season. Um, I think we were competitive in every ball game we played. There was a few where the score got a little lopsided, to be honest. You know, we finished two and six. A um, couple games, like I said, got away from the score-wise. But, 
I think they were really competitive ball games. So, you know, we came into the off season with a lot of momentum and knowing that, you know, now the excuse is over. If we can't use the that crutch that people might want to throw out, you know, first year program, um, that's in the past. So now we're worried about building on that. Um, and I think we're in a good place too. Like I said, the staff stayed together. Um, we didn't have any off season coach changes, so continuity there. Um, like I said, players, they were like I said, you know, it's a huge. Not many of them would have played had they gone anywhere else. You know, on the rosters we played again. Right. Not too many of those guys would have got on the field. Yeah. Uh, we had to play all of them at once. So, I mean, it was a unique learning experience for sure. And I hope it, like you said, it will pay dividends down the road, uh, you know, when it comes to developing these guys. But it had to be interesting recruiting, I would assume, because, um, you know, obviously it would have its, its uh, troubles in that it's a first-year program. But if you're talking to a bunch of kids that want to play and they want to play right away, what better than a place that is only going to have freshmen on their, on their roster? All you got to, you know, yeah, you, what, you know, all you got to do is be one of the best freshmen and you're, you get to start. Yeah. I mean, you, you honestly nailed the first line of my sales pitch as far as recruiting has gone for this year. That, that's what I told every kid. I said, you know, a lot of places will make you promises about anything. Um, but one promise I can make you is no place will offer you the chance to play right away. Like we will yeah. we played all freshmen last year, you know, so we don't have guys who are entrenched in, you know, we have a lot of guys I think we'll win with going forward who I expect to, to, to remain starters for us. But, uh, as far as, like you said, recruits coming in, they know the only competition on campus is the freshman we had last year. So, um, you know, we, we went and addressed, you know, the youth problem a little bit uh, in in December in the early signing period. Uh, we, we went after a couple of junior college kids, a couple of transfer kids. Okay. Um, you know, we brought in a, a, about 11, 11, 11 or 12, I believe, if my uh, memory is correct. Um, and we just got started with our off-season workout. Today was our first team meeting. Hmm. Um, going forward so so uh, as a coordinator is that uh something that you have to because again that's a and i'll probably say this every time but another unique thing of of being all freshmen is now you're a coordinator and it's it's like uh you got a bunch of 18 year old kids it's almost not like being a high school coach but it's it's just a barely a step above that as far as the maturity level and and maybe even the football uh, knowledge level of your kids all being freshmen is that something you had to uh, that played a part in in your offense this year as far as you know I got a bunch of freshmen that that are you know probably lower level football knowledge just because they are so young uh, yeah definitely I mean you know honestly what helped me with all, all of those difficulties you're talking about was was my background you know especially at a place like Palmetto Prep I mean we would get our guys in uh, like the middle of July um, and we would have to have them out to their schools, most of them, by December of that same year. Um, it's literally a one semester extra. We know it's kind of like a fifth year, honestly, of high school football, sort of. Uh, it's guys who, like I said, they just didn't get the test scores. So I've had experience. And then at Middle Georgia, you know, it was like a junior college as well. So I've had experience building rosters or, you know, putting together systems with guys who I knew weren't going to be around for long. And they had to get in, uh, you know, stuff in a short amount of time. So I've done that before. Um, so that challenge, you know, something I, I, I knew was coming again. So I think I was sort of prepared for that. I think we did a good job of, of uh, getting the base offense in and, and really sticking to our bread and butter this year. Um, you know, we tried to keep it simple, um, play fast when we could. Um, sometimes, you know, you'll get behind the chains with young guys as far as penalties and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, we, we really tried to keep it simple, like you said, and it, it wasn't a whole lot of time to prepare. So. But uh, that's why I'm so ready for spring ball to start because I know we have so much more uh, we can do and so much more we can grow and how uh, crucial this offseason really is for us as a program. Do they give you guys a little bit more leeway being a new program? Are you guys able to, to, to meet with them maybe a little bit more? Do you, do you guys get any kind of leeway uh, like that with NAIA? Or, or, you know, I, I know there's a few NAIA programs up here in Iowa. Uh, a Grandview comes to mind, and it, and it seems like there there are – much more lax rules as far as kind of contact and, and things like that. So is that something you guys are able to take advantage of as well in the off season? Well, I think the only difference between, from a rule standpoint between us and uh, some of the teams in our nearby area who are in NI programs is they're in a conference and we're an independent. So I think there are some conference regulations that are applied to, you know, the off season program and how many times you can have contact and uh, you know, the, the, the 24 hours, whatever the, the latest number is. Uh, my head coach handles all that stuff. So I forget what the number is exactly, but 
Uh, I'm not sure if there's any difference from the independent group of NAI teams to the rest of the conference, but if there is differences, that's where they would lie. That's why the, the difference would exist. Well, Coach, having that, that sports media background, is that something that uh, obviously at NAI, NAIA school you're going to wear a few more hats than maybe uh, a div- Power 5 Division One guy, uh, you know, offensive coordinator would? So uh, having that sports media background, is that something that, that you try to use through social media or, um, you know, even just face-to-face talking with these kids, trying to sell them on your program? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, social media is definitely, a, you know, the hub of the recruiting activity these days. Um, you know, that's where kids find out about your program. That's where a lot of the first contact actually happens is on Twitter, as you guys obviously know, um, stuff like that. So uh, social media is important. And I think my background in sports media, you know, I used to write articles and I was on podcasts and I was kind of a freelance journalist, basically, is the easiest way to sum it up. I worked for a bunch of different outlets. Um, you know, I think that makes me more remarkable and is it is skills I can use to help a program grow. But, you know, like I said, 30, you know, 80 freshmen, a bunch of D2 teams coming up and I'm an offensive coordinator. So I haven't had too much time to worry about anything outside of trying to make sure we're getting first down, putting the ball in the end zone, <laughs> sure. um, you know, so <laughs> these last couple months. But, you know, down the road when the dust settles and we, we maybe get a second to reevaluate and maybe get some more, uh, you know, support staff and things like that in place, maybe it is an avenue we could explore more of for sure. Coach, what are some things you guys are doing uh, philosophically? I know you guys had said, you know, t- tempo was one of the things you're looking at and, and you know, keep keeping the playbook pretty pretty thin. You know, what what are some things that you kind of believe in as far as an offensive philosophy? Now that you know you're, you're kind of getting it off the ground there at Allen. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, a lot of where it comes from is Coach Keaton. Obviously, he's the head coach. Um, in his background is on offense. I think he's told me a few times that you know he's been a head coach for uh, I believe I don't want to misquote. I think it's like 16 maybe of the 21 years he's been coaching football. Um, and uh, most of those times he served as his own offensive coordinator. I think he said it's only the second time since he's been a head coach. He had a guy that he gave the offense to to call plays and install a system and all that stuff. Um, but, of course, he was there every step of the way helping guide me. So, really, I would say we kind of, you know, collaborated, and we were pretty pretty close philosophically, I think, when I took the job. Um, but we were both air raid guys. Um, he actually has a background in arena football. So he obviously loves to throw the rock around. Um, I think in a perfect world, he'd want to throw it 60, 70 times a game. <laughs> Not, that, that, I just like to pick on him about that. But he does love to throw, throw <laughs> the ball around. You know, you know, so, but he, uh, we run the ball, too. He, he came from Miles College. Uh, that was his last stop before Allen. He was the running backs coach. And they had a lot of success with the outside zone. Uh, and so that's one of the core principles he brought into our offense. Um, it's not something I'd ran before. I wasn't an outside zone guy at all. I was most, more of a gap scheme guy uh, when I took the job, but he sold me on the outside zone. And, you know, it was one of our bread and butter plays this year for us. Um, he did a really good job with it, installing it, teaching it to the coaches first, and then us taking it to the players. Uh, I think it took a little while, like I said. Of course, obviously, with the young roster, get all on the same page. But, uh, you know, once they got, got their feet wet a little bit, I think that thing started really looking pretty good. So um, that that's where it all starts for us, really. That is one thing about uh, air raid type of offense uh, I know at least when I was when I was in college was how simple it and I don't want to say simple because that almost sounds like a negative connotation but how how easy it was to pick up uh, at least as an offensive lineman uh, how we were doing everything uh, with an air raid up-tempo style offense Uh, you know it was at least how we had done it at at Houston was a numbering system you know each of the numbers correlated to uh, you know, the first number correlated to what the play type was going to be, whether, it, you know, six-man protection or uh, run play or play action, whatever it was. And, and so it was – and then being heavy zone, everything was really, really simple uh, for us to be able to pick up and be able to pick that up quickly. Uh, so I would imagine, like you said, trying to uh, – get that retention and, and get that so quickly, that would be a thing that would benefit those, those at, at least the offensive linemen. Is that something that, that it's – you? Uh, and it almost sounds too simple to ask this question, but is it something, though, that, that is a little more difficult for uh, quarterbacks, or is that something that you've simplified as well uh, as far as – again, I'm just an offensive line coach, but 
uh, w- with the reads and, and knowing uh, the ins and outs of that uh, as a quarterback? Uh, yeah, I, you know, making it easy for the big guys up front is really where I start when I think about making an offense simple. Um, so, like you said, we use a lot of the same kind of coding system that you guys use, uh, where a quarterback makes a call uh, with a number uh, as part of that call, um, and they'll tell the offensive line basically their assignment for that play. Um, so we really try to simplify everything for them. And then I don't put, I don't add anything into the offense. I, I you know, it's all concept based. So, um, you know, we'll block a lot of play action with the same, with the same scheme we use for outside zone. You know, it sets up play action game, bootlegs, all that good stuff. Um, even RPOs off of it. So, you know, when we just run our outside zone blocking scheme, you know, we can dress that up so much, but still all the offensive line needs to know is that they got to block outside zone whichever way we're going with it. Um, and we try to – we have a couple other concepts that we mix in there on game-wise, and we try to build off of those, if that makes sense. Coach, are you guys running the QB at all? I know some of the, the air raid people have, uh, you know, try, to try to even out numbers and maybe take a little bit of, of pressure off the QB. A little bit. I know Hawaii's kind of gone to at least implementing some more – quarterback run game is that something you guys have dabbled in or are you guys still pretty strict on hey you know what we'll protect it up we'll hand it off to a running back and and we'll sling it oh yeah well you know our backgrounds were, were in air raid offense like I said uh definitely but we had to tailor our system to a lot to the personnel that showed up on campus mm-hmm. um and uh you know with young guys especially quarterbacks we had a guy who uh you know was a starter at a pretty decent size high school in Georgia um, and he was about a 50% completion percentage guy coming out of high school. Um, but he was a tremendous athlete. So, um, and then our, even our, our other quarterback, a guy from Alabama who played almost as many snaps this year as our starter did. Um, he was another guy that could do a lot of good things in the run game. I think they finished as like, uh, the second, the, uh, our starter finished as our leading rusher for the season. And I think our backup quarterback, uh, who I said, and like, they, honestly, we had they were more like one A one B. I think they finished the season like fifteen snaps difference in total snaps played. So we kind of rotated both guys, two quarterback system, if you will, this year. Um, you know, and they both could run football. So we ran it with the quarterback really well this year, and that's something we definitely focused on um, a little more so than either of us had in the past. Because like I said, we were traditional drop back, quick game, uh, air raid type attacks. But we kind of had to uh, on the fly adjust and do a lot more quarterback run type. Type things. Coach, how did the two quarterback system work for you guys? This is the first year we've done it at our high school at Broken Arrow. Um, and, and I'd always thought very negatively about it and thought, um, you know, that you need to have the one quarterback and two quarterback system just doesn't seem to work and, and people just don't win with it. Uh, and then this year I was completely wrong. We had two really good quarterbacks and they were, but for us, they were pretty complete opposites. You know, one really good um, more of a pro-style type quarterback. And then we had a big, huge athletic guy that could throw it pretty well but was definitely more of a runner and so uh, could, could do a lot of our run schemes and, and more some, you know, more so some RPO different type things but with quarterback runs with him. And, you know, they, they uh, probably got, you know, half the snaps or whatever it was, uh, 25 and 75%, you know, whatever that percentage was, and actually ended up working out really, really well for us. We we did win a state championship uh, using that system, and so kind of changed my mind on it. Uh, how did that work out for you guys, and, and is that something that, bar, you know, if you've got the two quarterbacks to do it, is that something that you would be excited about uh, trying to go into it within the next few years? Uh, well, you know, to, to be honest, it's, it's one of those things that kind of just happened to us by circumstance, I mean, we never really changed the what we told our guys from the start of camp. You know, was you know, it's it's everybody's. We had two of them, so if it was going to be one of you guys is going to be the guy, and it's going to be one guy's job. Um, whoever steps up and and takes the job for good, that's who will be our guy. Um, but you know, as many freshmen will, they were really the only thing we were consistent at this year was being inconsistent. <laughs> um, so they each had flashes, and they kept going back and forth. And uh, there are different parts where I thought maybe uh, one guy was emerging as another one. Um, but like I said, it wasn't something we really schemed up ahead of time thinking, oh, we're going to try to come up with this inventive two quarterback system and, 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 you know, change people's perception on if it can work. And, you know, we didn't expect this challenge, but it did happen. It presented itself. So we made the best out of it. Um, and, you know, w- as they continue to grow um, and as we bring in more competition to that position, 
Um, we would imagine, you know, just by percentage, it seems to work out. You know, if you have one guy who is the guy, that's traditionally been the way it's worked and been successful. So I think that's what we'll we'll try to do going forward. But uh, if not, if one guy doesn't, we've got experience. We have a year under our belt now with a, a two quarterback system. Um, I think especially there are things I can go back and evaluate. And if I would have known uh, offhand that they would share the snaps, there might have been some things I did differently. Uh, you know, but but now next time I'll be prepared if I have a situation where I think, hey, maybe we'll be having a lot of guys take reps at quarterback in, in a specific season. Coach, it's got to be, you know, pretty fun, you know, kind of keeping keep rolling with the two QBs system. I, I think it's got to be pretty fun, you know, coming up with almost kind of different packages for what both those guys can do, you know, because one guy is probably going to have a different, you know, skill set than another, and, and it can still pose some problems too you know, a, a defense having to prepare for, for both sets. You know, you can kind of go, you know, schizophrenic a little bit on offense, especially if they have those different skill sets. You know, what, what were some things that, you, you know, you tried to do with, with each one to, to make them comfortable? Maybe what were some schemes you guys are doing? Because I always, I always love being able to scheme QB runs because, you know, now, now the numbers start to even out a little bit versus some of these defenses, and you can really have some fun with, you know, the, the schemes and things that you're doing up front, especially in a spread system. Yeah, I'll tell you one specific formation that uh, that really helps share what we call doves. It's uh, two by two with a H back, uh, you know, a, just a sniffer, essentially. You know, we could do a lot. Any obviously, then all of our quick games on the table. Um, we we do a lot of, uh, you know, when we run when we run a jet sweeps, we block it just like outside of zone. Again, that's one of our staple bread and butter plays. So uh, we do a lot of, you know, jet motion sweeps and all that good stuff out of that formation as well. Um, what became really effective was play action out of that look and then quarterback run um, because, you know, it puts more stress on the defense. We'd usually get a six-man front against a six-man box. Uh, you know, be man-on-man blocking. Um, and we had a, a lot of success around the quarterback that way for sure. Coach, coming in, just having the one, you know, the one recruiting class, uh, I, I'm kind of curious, was there was there some, uh, and, and probably not during a game, but maybe during season, was there some, sharing or, or changeover position-wise from some of your kids? Because I can only imagine a couple of injuries and, and now you're, you're left with a, you know, a backup offensive lineman now playing or, or whatever that's not very good or a receiver that it's a big drop-off, but you've got a, a really good DB and, and his backup's pretty good, uh, but maybe would be your next best receiver. Was there, you know, was there some turnover? Was there some change that you guys had to look at outside of the box this year uh, because again with those uh, special circumstances of just having that one freshman class um yeah well I'm sorry could you repeat that last my phone was breaking up sort of for that last like 30 seconds what you said I apologize yeah no 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 problem but I, I, I would just like I was saying I would just imagine that um having just the one class so you've only got those freshmen uh, mm-hmm. and yep and and you get an injury on on uh you know a receiver you're, you're starting receiver right. injured, and yeah. now and now you're back up because you've only got freshmen maybe he's not very good because it's your fifth receiver or whatever that is uh you know as a backup as a receiver but you've got a corner that's your third corner uh, that would be a pretty good wide receiver uh, was there a bunch of was there some change and and some uh, flipping of positions for you guys this year a, a lot more than probably normal for a college team uh, because of the, the unique uh, differences with just having the one recruiting class, you know, guys switching from offense to defense or, or playing, you know, some different positions than, than they would have thought coming into college? Uh, yeah, well, th- to be honest with you, uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned that that would cause you to have to be concerned about your death is injuries. Um, I guess there's a good opportunity to sing the praises of our strength and conditioning coach, Kerry uh, Thompson. He does a great job for us. Um, and uh, he, he did a, a super job with those guys in terms of keeping them in shape um, and healthy all year. We were, we were really fortunate. Obviously, it's a, it's a little good luck mixed in there, too, uh, along with what – on top of what he's doing uh, with the strength and condition program. Um, but injuries really weren't a problem for us this year. We were, we were very lucky. Like I said, we had a lot of weeks where we had no one on the injury list at all um, for participation at practice. Um, and all those good things. But, you know, depth, to, to answer your overall bigger question about depth, yeah, I think depth would have definitely been an issue to us. And, and uh, you know, in our last two ball games, I think a little attrition definitely hit in. 
Um, you know, we hit, hit that freshman wall. Everybody talks about, well, our whole team was up against the freshman wall this year. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think tr- attrition did take a little bit of effect those last two weeks of the season. Um, they were both road games, too. Um, I'm sorry, one was actually homecoming the week. So big build up that week. And then the following week, we went on the road uh, to play Brevard College. Uh, and I think, you know, like I said, they really started to catch up with us there. That last road game, for sure. Um, I think we had to do a little shuffling. Uh, I think that was, you know, you had to do moved a couple guys who had played, uh, you know, defensive back over to wide receiver to learn a couple concepts in case we needed them, in case of emergency situation, if a guy got hurt or something. Um, and then, you know, one or two, I think, offensive and defensive linemen switched back and forth a couple of times, but we really didn't have too too many guys moving all around. I think, like, uh, that that's another credit to our head coach who did a good job of kind of building this roster, um, foresight of what, what we needed where. Um, so we really didn't have too many guys switching a whole lot of positions this year at all, to be honest with you. That was one thing I was going to ask you about, Coach, was, you know, be, being at that <laughs> all-freshman, understanding that probably, you know, you're going to run into some guys that are obviously seniors, grown men, going against your, yes, your age. Absolutely. Kids up front, I mean, how do you, how do you kind of – you know, you, you probably almost have to kind of coach it a little bit different, just understanding that, hey, there, there's going to be some some physical mismatches here. You know, I mean, just like – Yeah, definitely. High- and, you know, and where that challenge really presents itself is, is inside the red zone. That's one of the places, uh, you know, you, if you look at us, we statistically didn't have a very good season, but uh, we had to measure things, obviously, a lot more than just the stats when you're, you know, throwing everything against the walls for your program and seeing what sticks sort of thing um, with no offseason and all that good stuff. So – that's one of our biggest concerns. But like I said, you know, we struggled. And really where we struggled is when we got inside the 20s, when the game kind of, you know, compressed itself and everybody's in the box. Um, it got really tough to run the football. Like you said, when we had 18-year-old freshmen blocking 22, 23-year-old redshirt seniors um, who've been playing college football for four years. So, yeah, that, that, that definitely became a bit of a problem. Uh, but I think our guys held up pretty well. Like I said, we were really competitive. And mm-hmm. um, I think it was – Trial by fire, I think, you know, like we talked about earlier, I think it'll pay dividends when these guys become 22, 23-year-old seniors. Um, you know, I think they'll, they'll, they've seen it all now. So, you know, it's only, it's only going to get better from here. Um, and we have a lot of guys who are attacking getting better every day. I think that's important. Um, we have some guys who have really bought in, uh, especially up front. I think our offensive line is a, is a really good group. You know, that's the hardest thing to get at the small college level. Everybody knows that. Um, offensive linemen are dime a dozen, kind of like centers in basketball. You know, everybody can find point guards, but it's hard to find a good center. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's really hard to find good offensive linemen. But I think that's one of the places where we really have uh, a lot of guys who, whose development I'm most excited about and I think have, you know, the, the, the you know a, a lot of untapped potential that we've yet to see. Their best football is definitely ahead of them. So. Well, that's kind of the, the, the thing that I like in high school, and, and there are some guys that are a little bit even later bloomers, and, and I think that happens a lot at, at smaller college football where you see these guys get so much bigger um, because they finally do hit that maturity. But that's one of the things I love in high school is I get a guy that's a freshman, sophomore, maybe even a junior, and you just say, I just don't see any way this guy's going to ever play offensive line here. But you work hard with them, and, and you treat them just like everyone else, and then all of a sudden between junior and senior year, they blow up and they get, you know, they, they're three inches taller and they're big and all of a sudden they've been working just as hard, but now the strength's actually, you know, that muscle's actually starting to build on them and, and they become really good players. I would assume that's another, that would be an exciting thing for you guys because, like I said, you got all these freshmen, uh, probably under-recruited guys or, or maybe haven't hit their physical peak yet. Uh, and, then, and then you see some of those guys grow or they finally get into a good, you know, weight facility like your guys's, and and you see some of that start to add on to them, and and you see that growth. And I would assume you're going to see a lot of growth between their freshman and sophomore year. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's convenient that you brought this topic up. Uh, we were just talking about this in, in the locker room after our, uh, after our first initial meeting today. Was our you know basically walking through what our goal and outline is for for spring ball and and off season workout and all that good stuff, and gave them their schedules. Um, we were talking about, wow, it's really starting to finally show up. You know, these 18-year-old kids are starting to look like, you know, that were fresh out of high school a couple months ago now are starting to look like college football players. Uh, you know, the ones who have really, like I said, bought in and done the things they need to and eating right, taking care of their bodies. So, um, you know, we're to that point where, 
we're starting to see some of the guys who, who, who make commitments and starting to pay off for them. So I think that'll be influenced, you know, we're a young guys. So the developing leaders was obviously one of the, one of the things we, we, we needed to do. We, we know we need to identify them, uh, you know, early um, with such a young team. And that's why we kind of went, like I said, and got some junior college players and some guys who have played two years of college football now. Um, so we're hoping, you know, they'll come in and mix with these young guys um, and they'll see, you know, you know, kind of set the tone. Well, you know, the tone's been set, but now we're bringing in older guys. It's a little, you know, normally you, you get to build your culture um, and then older guys, you know, become the, the leaders on it. But we didn't have any of those, so we had to go find some. Um, but we found them. The season after, we wanted the whole. We wanted a freshman class, so we signed the freshman class and was going to play with him. We didn't. Want, we could have taken junior college transfers and all that. You know, we we thought this might be an issue going forward, but we wanted to build a foundation with all freshmen. So guys, like you said, we could have for a whole four years, develop all the way through, um, and then interject it with some uh, some veteran leaders down the road. So um, it's an exciting time. You know, like I said, I can't wait to see these guys mix with our uh, the players we already had on campus. Um, and because uh, I've never been anywhere, I've always been somewhere sending out kids from junior colleges to other schools. <laughs> and now I'm on the other end of it. Now I'm getting the kids who are coming from junior colleges. So um, it's nice to be on the receiving end, I guess, and and get to see the the long game, if you will, with these guys. The thing that I would think would be exciting if I'm a player and and I go to the, you know go there and it's the very first year of football ever is that they're uh, you know one of the unfortunate but the cool things is there's there's no um, you know, I don't want to say it's not culture. That's not the word I'm looking for, but like there's no history of our program. So you just by well, being there as a freshman, well, you get to make well, the history. Well, there is actually some history, but it's pretty ancient history. Uh, back in actually the sixties and seventies, Allen had a football program. Okay. Um, and, and they were actually pretty successful and they actually, you know, it, it always kind of, um, it was weird when I saw some of these old news clippings, you know, they were playing schools now that have big time football. Um, back in the 60s, you know, they're playing Georgia State, uh, teams like Jacksonville State, you know, who are doing big things now. But Allen used to play with these guys in the 60s and 70s. So it's kind of, a, you know, a reminder from the past of where we could go one day, you know, to be able to play big boy football like these guys did. So we had some of that history to look back on. And the alumni base is great. You know, a lot of those guys who played football back then, they were – they're the reason Allen has football again, really. You know, they were clamoring for it. The alumni base was. Um, so – uh, they they fundraise for it and, and hit, a, hit a threshold and, and raise enough funds. And, you know, if it wasn't for those guys, uh, Allen football would have never came back. So I don't want to say there is no history of Allen football. Um, it just I happened a really long time ago. You know, sure. way, way before any of our guys who put on a jersey, you know, obviously <laughs> were alive, around for it. So uh, they get a chance to, to pick up something that had a good tradition, and now we get to, to start our own and leave our own mark. So, um, you know, it's kind of a, a, a unique situation for sure. Well, that's awesome. Then I mean, that's a cool way to to have the football program come back is all these guys that did play and and want to see their alma mater play football again. Yeah, we had you know homecoming is a big deal. You know, Allen's a HBCU, historically black college and university. And if you guys, I know one of the reputation HBCU football has is homecoming is a big deal, and it was at Allen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a great turnout. Um, they honored the guys. There was a uh, – I forget the numbers, you know. It was a busy week, obviously. Homecoming was trying to win football game. <laughs> yeah, but, right. Uh, there, there, was, there was a big group of guys uh, who were donors, you know, that donated X amount of dollars to be to the program. Um, and they honored them at halftime. Uh, so it was nice to be able to shake those guys' hand and everything like that. So um, it's really cool to see, you know, what, what a couple guys were motivated to do to bring back Allen football. Um, and, you know, as you guys – I don't have to tell you guys how football impacts lives. Um, so, you know, guys who are, who are driven and determined, I mean, you know, it's, uh, Allen's, uh, uh, it's associated with the AME church. So it's, uh, it's a Christian school. It's a private school. Um, so, you know, faith is important, um, as well. Um, you know, so it's a ministry through football kind of type thing. So it's a lot, you know, a lot of those guys, that's why they were called to, to give football. Uh, they know how impactful it can be. So that's why they wanted to see it come back. So it was nice to be able, like I said, shake those guys' hands and, and sing their praises and tell them thanks and all that good stuff. Wow. I mean, to me, that's super cool just for the the simple fact that, I mean, it, it seems like the only stories you hear, you know, on, on TV now about football are like, you know, teams that are dropping football. You get some of these, these junior colleges and, 
you know, UAB, the whole story there. So <clears throat> to me, that's refreshing. Yeah, that our, our, our strength coach, who I was telling you guys about, he was at UAB uh, when, before they shut the program down the first time. So, um, you know, we know he, he definitely has a guy on our staff who has experience with, uh, you know, and even our head coach. Um, he was the head coach at Stillman College, um, Division II program. Um, and they had a program for a long, long time. And then I, I, I the date to elude me because I wasn't there with him. But I think it was like 2014 maybe was the last season um, they had, and they shut the doors. I think, you know, I'm not sure, you know, funding, I'm sure was the main reason. I'm not sure exactly what the ins and outs of the situation were. But, you know, they did decide to move on from football. So, uh, you know, now to get a set, now to get to build one after the last one, you got the doors closed on them, really, you know. Um, after some success, I know they've you know been very competitive, especially um, you know his last couple of years there. Um, so you know it's that now a chance to to launch something again from the ground up. It's got to be exciting for him as well. Well, Coach Walls, you were at, at Tulsa, and I don't know if what time around it was, but there was around when you were coaching at TU. Um, there was a bunch of clamoring, uh, you know, talking about shutting down the the Tulsa football program. I don't know how how legitimate that was, but I know there for a few years, I think before you were there, it was a, it was a real talk around, around the city. Is that correct? Yeah. They were really close to getting it done. I think for, for a while there. And then when, when coach Cragthorpe actually came in, he kind of was the whole savior of that deal. And and now it's obviously safe, but yeah, it was, it was the same kind of deal. You know, people were, were kind of losing sight of it, but you know, there was enough former players and enough people that believed in it and, and knew that it could get back to where it was. And literally all, all it took was, you know, a change of leadership and a change of philosophy and, and values, kind of like what Coach has been talking about where, you know, people did see the value of it and they went out and they fought for it and they didn't let the people who, who wanted to be negative, you know, win. So it was, a, it was another cool deal and another success story that you, you get to hear. But, again, it just seems like those things aren't, aren't reported nearly as much as, as the other stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, you guys know the, the, the climate these days. Neg- negativity sells no matter what what industry or line of work we're talking about these days. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those sad but true things. I mean, just times maybe it'll turn around and it won't be 10 years from now. Who knows? But it's kind of par for the course these days, unfortunately. It is because you see some of these stories. Uh, I can't remember what receiver it was, but some big time receiver and and uh, these high school, these elementary school kids had sent him a letter and and um, uh, I can't remember if he dropped a ball or uh, I really don't remember much of the story. But watch the video and he and he goes to this elementary school and man, just to see those kids and how excited they were to see this NFL player and and you got to think it changed a couple of those kids' lives, probably their lives. You know, I can I can remember and. In elementary school, uh, being at a um, at elementary school practice, and a high school lineman came and talked to our team. And now I don't remember the guy's name. I don't even know if he, he even really played for the high school. But that's something now as an adult even, I remember him coming and talking to our team. So uh, just the impact that makes on kids. And then uh, now as a coach, you get to make such an impact on, on uh, you know, young men and, and trying to grow those into young men, which is – Again, still maybe I'm a little old school uh, mindset with that, but I think such an important part of our society is is growing strong, tough uh, young men to to go on into the future. Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean we're we're so blessed, so fortunate that that's what we do. You know, I mean you hear it all the time. This is a relationship business, but at the end of the day, I mean that's what it is. Um, and and like you said, the opportunity to be able to help uh, you know impact the lives of young men. A lot of guys who really, as you said, you know, need a strong leader, a strong male role model and influence in their lives. Uh, just opportunity to get to go up, and that's what you do for a living every day. Um, you know, you can't beat it. Um, it's what makes coaching, you know, unlike anything else, really. I mean, I guess besides teaching or, you know, of course, there's other professions and stuff like that. But it's really unique in that sense because um, we hit the target demographic that I think really needs strong role models these year, these days. All right. I couldn't agree more, Coach. Um, I, I wanted to go back on something, you know, you, you'd said uh, about this latest recruiting class and, you know, having to bring in a, a handful of, of junior college kids. And, and you were saying that it's a little bit different because, you know, usually it's something, you know, you're, you're trying to, to even out numbers in, in classes or, you know, maybe you're seeing a need where we've lost some depth here. We need an impact player here. We need a guy that we feel like can play right away. 
you know, it, it almost sounded like more like you were trying to bring in dudes that were the, the right fit and guys that were going to kind of get the, the position room right or whatever. We, we had Coach Shenander on from Nebraska, and he talked a lot about, you know, making sure that my, my rooms are right, my linebackers, my DBs, and, and sometimes maybe it's, you know, you bring in a wild card guy or other times I got to bring in kind of that veteran, you know, leadership type guy, the guy that's going to, you know, be professional and show kids how to watch film and, and, and kind of take guys underneath their wing. It sounds like that's what you kind of had to do when you, when you went after some of these junior college recruits. Is that, is that something you'd really kind of pinpointed more on a, on a culture level or was it more kind of, uh, yeah, we need to fill these needs? Uh, definitely, you know, uh, who you bring into your program is, you know, the type of person they are as important as the type of player they are, um, for sure. And like I said, in a, in a team that needed uh, experience and, and, and veteran leadership uh, in the worst way, worse than anyone in the country. I mean, we, we were the least experienced team in the country. So if anybody needed to bring some of those guys in, it's probably us. Um, so we definitely wanted to make sure they would be tone setters. And I think we had a good opportunity in camp and throughout the season to really see where our deficiencies were as far as, you know, if we needed an impact guy at this spot or where we needed to add some depth. Um, I think our staff did a good job of identifying that early um, and, and executing the plan of targeting those junior college guys. You know, a lot of guys that we brought in had offers to go a lot of other places, um, you know, who have had football for, for plenty of years, but they chose to come down uh, for the same reason that, you know, most of our freshmen came here and had the chance to build something, um, you know, coming really from the ground floor. Um, like all of us have, so um, I think that was that was definitely attractive to a lot of those guys. And you know, a lot of where that starts for me, honestly, is uh, the high school program they played in. Um, it's almost you know cheating at this point, but if you you know, I feel like sometimes if you know it was that they played at a really good program, you know, they probably be able to help you as long as uh, you know you got opinions from you know as long as they checked all the boxes, character and all that stuff. Um, you know, especially I'm, I recruit the state of Georgia and there's so many good football players. Um, I feel like the talent isn't a problem. You know, that's, it, it's out there if you want to find it, especially, uh, here in the Southeast. I mean, I think we're in a talent rich area. Um, so, you know, that, that definitely helps us a lot too. Uh, just the quality high school football that's played, you know, in a 200 mile radius of Allen football for sure. A lot of those guys who are mid-year guys, uh, were guys from this area who had left and gone far away, you know, to different places to play junior college or prep school ball, or some of them were transfers. Um, but now they have a chance to come back home. So I think that was, uh, that helped us a lot in that aspect as well. Well, coach, uh, you know, last question I, re I really like asking guys is, is uh, when you're watching football and, and you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what's some things that they would be doing uh, that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Uh, for sure, you know, just the sound technique, uh, understanding concepts. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to see this on television a lot, uh, but when I'm recruiting, uh, if I can hear the guys communicating, I think that's that's the number one indicator, to be honest with you. Um, that, uh, yeah, that That's a big thing for me if, uh, you know, communication is key. And if uh, the kids are out there doing that, I know they've usually been taught somewhere. They're not just out there winging that. Um, so I think that's usually a, a pretty good giveaway. Um, if they're talking and figuring out different things that the defense is uh, throwing at them, that's a pretty good clue that they're, they've been pretty well coached. Absolutely, Coach. I mean, if you got guys that, you know, especially in, you'd said, it, you know, to today's day and age, some of these guys might not be the, you know, the, the best communicators. And I think when, when you're making that a priority and making that a standard up front and, and guys are really, really doing that. Usually that's not natural. That has to be something that's being co being coached into those guys. So I would agree 100%. Yeah, and, I, you know, and I'll just take this opportunity, too, to, to give a shout-out to my offensive line coach. He was one of the uh, – I guess I have two other guys on my staff. Two, I have four guys on offense besides myself. I hired two of them, and two of them uh, got hired by our head coach. Uh, Stan was one of the guys who got hired by my head coach, and I tell people all the time, I'm glad we got him. That was the best move my head coach made, along with our strength and conditioning coach. Stanley Wright has done a, a fantastic job with our group. Um, like I said, I think they're going to be one of the cornerstones of our program going forward, uh, the group that we brought in. And uh, we, we definitely had a couple guys in this mid-year class at that position that we we're really, really, really excited about. Uh, they're going to be able to be great players for us. So uh, Stan's doing an awesome job. This was his first opportunity to coach college football as well. Um, you know, at a four-year school like it is mine. So uh, he's definitely taking the most of that opportunity around with that for sure. Probably the two most important hires, you know, you, you, 
you got to be able to coach those dudes up front and then you got to have a, an unbelievable strength coach because he's spending so much time with them. I know coach Harper and myself and Harper's probably smiling right now. Cause he's like, heck yeah. O-line man. It's all about the O-line. So uh, yeah, I, think I, agree. Really, I knew, I knew how important, how important it was. <laughs> I, I had the same viewpoint as you. I think it's super, super important. So, you know, I was a little hesitant at first that the one, one of the coaches I didn't know going into the season was going to be a guy I never worked with, but, uh, you know, once we got the communication and terminology and everything down, which is really the biggest difference in, mo- you know, most people's football knowledge is just figuring out what you call what. Um, you know, I think we really started clicking, and he, he did a great job. Like I said, hats off to, to Coach Keaton because hiring good people is probably the toughest role a head coach has. And he did a pretty good job uh, with this group, definitely. Awesome. Well, Coach, man, we uh, we appreciate you coming on the podcast, dude. I'm I'm excited to see uh, where you guys can go. You know, that's the the my favorite part of of doing this podcast is we get to you know you 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 get to talk to some of the guys from some of the schools you know, and also some of the the schools that are up and coming and 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 places maybe you, you don't know the most about. So it's it's fun to learn about you know some of those schools and the different you know next to the United States that you know, I don't get to, to go to very often. You know, South Carolina is actually one of, one of the few states I have not been to yet. So I'm still waiting to, to, to have my opportunity to get down there. I think I've been to, to about 45 states, and, and South Carolina is one of them. So I'd, I'd love to get down there sometime and, and get to Columbia. If you're a football fan, man, Clemson, South Carolina has got to be on your bucket list as a game day experience to check out before it's all over with, definitely. Um, I grew up a Clemson fan, so – I just thought I'd give you that recommendation for if you ever come to the state. Make sure it's for a, uh, a Clemson game, not a South Carolina game, you know. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.